Jason Angel, and of course, Adam Young for delivering Sports Talk yesterday. I got to tell you, folks, Adam looks mighty fine in the uh, captain's chair with that Lubin Go Studio background. I saw him, and uh, Adrian, I-, I don't know, man. I think we might have a run for our money here. He's a natural. Yeah, he definitely is. I got a chance to listen to the podcast, which is already up at 600 ESPN El Paso, wherever you get your podcast. Got a chance to listen to a lot of the show yesterday with, of course, Adam Young. He did a fantastic job. Loved his guest it was, uh, guest rundown yesterday. It was a loaded show. It moved uh, very fast. And, yeah, he provided some great insight for the El Paso and Las Cruces Listeners. Adam showed up like an hour before the show. I'm looking around going, what guest host gets here this early? I mean, my goodness. I was impressed, man. Like, he came ready to go. And once he figured out where the urinal was in the building, he was all set. There was nothing he didn't you know, need. He had everything he needed. Yeah, and he had a, a great support staff back here with him. Angel, Jason, guiding him through it. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was just a great show yesterday. It's fun to do these kind of guest appearances here on Sports Talk. And it's uh, a good breath of fresh air here to have a uh, Adam Young join us on Sports Talk. And for those of you that don't know, Adrian and I, we had a, um, it was a very, um, I'll be honest with you, it was an important sales day yesterday for us. We had a pair of these uh, seminars where we had invited guests and clients and we were both involved in it. So um, we were, uh, there was just no way we were going to be able to uh, deliver the show yesterday because our other job came calling. Our sales job came calling. So it was great for Adam and Jason and Angel to help fill in for us and, and really get that show going. And we appreciate that in a big way, more than you realize, because uh, with us being back today, uh, there's a lot of guests that might have been on our regular hit list that we now cross off the list because Adam took care of those yesterday. He had like seven guests on the show. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody got a chance and uh, a full dosage of Aggies talk yesterday with some of the guests that they had, but even got some UTEP talk with Ben Wallace, a UTEP volleyball coach, joined the show. Listen, I'm fine with Aggie talk. Um, we don't do it very often. This Look, this is a radio station that is the UTEP affiliate. Um, the majority of the conversation is UTEP related, except when Mocha decides he wants to come on the show to talk about something. And, you know, I've always given Mario carte blanche. I say, you, you just text me when you want to come on and it's done deal. And usually he'll hit me up the day of for something fun going on, whether it's some kind of booze that they're coming out with or something else that uh, he's got his hands on. And yeah, we bring him on the show, but you know, I mean, we are UTEP first, so we try to deliver as much UTEP uh, guests and content as we can when it's appropriate. I mean, this time of year, other than summer camps, I mean, you know, we might get the occasional coaching and player guests, but for the most part, summer's baseball. Summer is, uh, it's all baseball, really. That's that's the number one priority for us, even today. You know, Jay Jaffe coming on the show at 420 for his usual spot, where he talks a little baseball and ends it with some beer. And then I've got Jared Sandberg joining us today. He'll go one-on-one with us at 5 o'clock. The uh, the manager of uh, your El Paso Chihuahua. So Jared Sandberg, who last joined us in April, is going to come on today and kind of do a mid-season report on the team and where players are and looking forward to that. So, you know, with baseball being what it is right now, I mean, we'll ramp it up and heck, it's July. Before you know it, Football season's going to be here, college season, NFL, and and then all, all hell breaks loose. Uh, let's be honest. That's really the way the fall sports season works. Basketball will get started October. 
and November, and then you've got your football starting in September. Baseball comes to an end in October, and uh, you know hockey gets started, and and and, and such is the the uh, you know the 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 cycle, uh, the sports cycle here in the El Paso area and nationally. So excited because everybody always says this is the dog days of summer. I used to complain for years that it 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 was so hard to fill three hours in summer months on this radio show because there's just not a lot going on. But you know what I find? A, if you have any ounce of creativeness, and B, if you just really look at all the sports stories that break on a daily basis, there's no reason why anybody should be hurting for topics and things to talk about on a day-to-day basis when it comes to sports. There's always something happening that could take you through uh, two to three hours of a radio show. We've got uh, a huge focus on baseball all throughout the summer, but man, the way that the NBA is covered nowadays, it's a 365 days a year sport. You get uh, news dropping left and right for free agency news when it comes to the NBA. You have NFL training camp right around the corner. Uh, The the debates are heating up. I've seen some top 10 quarterback lists floated out there as well. And uh, as far as college football goes, I kind of feel like it's here. Like I'm getting ready for the season preview right now on my end for UTEP football, I've uh, I've got a, something scheduled here in the books. Going, trying to watch some UTEP uh, workouts here in the next couple days to just uh, go out there and see what kind of players they've got. Uh, you know, you know, mostly in their two deep. We've, we we yep. know their starters, but mostly in their two deep, and then uh, diving into UTEP football. It's going to be exciting. And by the way, you failed to mention all the conference realignment that's going on nationally and, and the trickle-down effect, especially with New Mexico State coming into Conference USA next year. Everybody wants to talk about realignment. Every, everybody loves the, the, the realignment conversation. They want to pick universities to go to certain uh, conferences. So, yeah, we get a lot of that uh, as well in the summer. 915-505-6009 is our telephone number. 915-505-6009. You can tweet the show 600 ESPN El Paso. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. By the way, as a long-suffering Nick fan, I'm not excited yet, but I'm getting teased. They're throwing out the bait to see if Nick fans will bite since the story now is that Donovan Mitchell could be on his way out of Utah. The Jazz are listening to offers on their 25-year-old superstar point guard, and because the Knicks have 8 billion draft picks that are available, they are clearly in the driver's seat since we all know that's what Danny Ainge wants. He wants to build, uh, rebuild the Jazz through the draft. He wants picks. He wants number ones. The Knicks have more than anybody else on the planet. So uh, they would be one of the teams that right now is in the running. And I'll be honest with you. As long as they don't trade R.J. Barrett and you pair you know, Barrett up with Brunson, Mitchell, Robinson, and then possibly Randall, if he's not part of the return, um, the Knicks would be suddenly very relevant, very interesting in the Eastern Conference. Now, can't get excited because the deal hasn't happened yet. We don't know what the deal is going to be. Chances are Utah will make out with a King's Ransom for Donovan Mitchell because he's under contract for a couple more years. He's only 25. He's a superstar. 
and players like this just aren't dangled very often in the trade market. I've heard Miami being mentioned also. Windhorse had that among other teams that could be in the running. Brooklyn's in the running because Brooklyn's always in the running for everybody. But uh, Nick fans out there that have been waiting, suffering with a team that has not been relevant forever could finally see something get a little more interesting if, in fact, they're the lucky ones that end up winning the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes with the Utah Jazz. Knicks fans are just very excited. You're, I, I can hear. We're more excited exc- than you. You I, sound like I, you're. You sound like I you're can depressed. hear. I can hear the excitement in your voice, and it's hilarious because I heard. Um, I've been seeing a lot of Charlotte Hornets talk when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if the if the Hornets have as many number ones. If if Michael has been able to acquire as many number ones as the Knicks have, but I have to. I have to look into Charlotte as the possibility. But yeah, as a Knicks fan, please. Um, yeah, I, I am. I am excited about that. I mean, guy averaged twenty four points. Um, you know, it, it, throughout his career, three uh, last three years All Stars. Um, you know, four years, hundred thirty five million remaining on that max extension he signed. Uh, yes, I uh, would be excited about that. Now, can't get excited too excited because all that's going to do is is set you up for disappointment. But the fact that Ainge has made him available and is now listening to offers. That is why I'm excited. Why do you think the Knicks have been building up all these number ones? For their health? They can't draft worth a crap. Most of the players they go after are duds anyway, and they, they flop. Uh, you get the occasional exceptions. R.J. Barrett's a nice little ball player, and I think he's got a good future in his, you know, and what he's been able to do. But you look at a lot of the other picks, they've been garbage. Kevin Knox, garbage. So, um, you know, and, and I don't even know if Obi Toppin's going to turn out well. I've seen flashes, but he's, he's a major work in progress. Uh, but the point is, you pick all these number ones up for a reason. You package them for a trade. That's what New York is doing. Leon Rose wants to make the Knicks relevant again in basketball. This is the possibility if he could figure out a way to pull the trigger and uh, get Danny Ainge's attention on a trade. I think that one of the biggest things that you have to look at with this trade is that the Knicks are so uh, hungry for a star on their roster. Haven't had somebody average over 25 points since Carmelo Anthony did it almost a decade ago. And we all know how that ended up with uh, Melo going over to New York. I I feel like with Donovan Mitchell being paired up with Jalen Brunson, that's a recipe for one of the top backcourts in the Eastern Conference, if not the best top, uh, you know, backcourt in that in that you know Eastern Conference right there. I also look at the possibilities for the trade. I think that for Utah, they're uh, looking for probably seven draft picks. It sounds like a lot, but they've got they got five draft picks from Minnesota for Rudy Gobert, who I feel like is a, a big step below as far as a tier uh, for a player that like Donovan Mitchell really is. So you look back to when Don, uh, Danny Ainge first joined the Celtics. I referenced this a couple weeks ago. He traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the Nets for a huge, huge return in draft compensation. That ended up being guys like Jalen Brown, guys like Jason Tatum. That's what they turned those draft uh, that trade into. Uh, 
in, into uh, via those draft picks. And that's what yep. Danny H wants to do in Utah. He wants to build it through draft picks. He wants to get, acquire as much, as many assets as he can. Uh, and you know what he's done so far is is really that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the, what the trade package looks like from the Knicks side of things. And I also think that the Kevin Durant domino has a huge, huge effect uh, as to what this could end up looking like. I'm with you on that one. I'm also interested to see who gets like who gets traded first. I mean, you know, will Utah make the first move or will it be uh, like you said, um, you know, Durant, when it's all said and done. Look, guys, we already know what the bar is set. The bar was set on the Rudy Gobert trade uh, to the Timberwolves. That was a that was a, a small fortune. So for Donovan Mitchell, they're going to want a King's Ransom, and I don't blame him. I would, too. How do you not take a 25-year-old who's uh, been the leading scorer every, every year of his career and has taken the Jazz to five straight playoff appearances? Now, you know that the Knicks have a better surrounding cast than Utah has the last few years, what they've been able to build recently. So the only question is, with all the number one picks, who will the Knicks have to give up? That'll be the million-dollar question to a guy who grew up in Westchester County, uh, is represented by the same company that Leon Rose once ran for years and has a lot of ties to the New York area. So I I would, look, if you're the Knicks and you can't land Donovan Mitchell right now, you kind of wonder who you ever be able to get in terms of a a big star with with all the assets you've acquired. It's not happening in free agency for the Knicks. It's not happening via a trade. So this this seems like something that they have to go all in on. And if you're Utah, you hold them to that. You you see how desperate in a in a sense uh, the Knicks are to kind of get back to that relevance. So you have to kind of hold uh, New York to that if you're Utah and and demand those seven draft picks. Now I don't know what this, the trade will be centered around. If it is Obi Toppin, who's that player coming back in the trade, and maybe they get expiring contracts like Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose. But it, to me, I just don't see Julius Randle being that guy that they trade for, even though his salary at twenty five million makes a lot. A a lot of sense with that. I just don't see Utah wanting to pay him $30 million in 2025. I'm with you on that one. And by the way, um, Mr. Craig, haven't seen really a lot of buzz at all about the Hornets. All I've seen are the Knicks and the Heat right now involving Juan Donovan Mitchell. So you find your... Uh, Find me your source, because I just started looking. I have not seen anything on the Hornets yet. I was just, I was just listening to podcasts. Oh, okay. Eh. I was just listening to podcasts. Eh. And Julius Randle was mentioned in that Hornet talk, too, because... They might have to give him up, him go down on the Hornets just to make it happen. Okay. Well, that would but wait. So, he, so who? How would that work? I mean, if the Hornets get Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle goes from the Knicks to the Hornets, what do the Knicks get? I don't know. All right. Maybe so you get I'm Miles not, Bridges not, in that trade. He's still an unrestricted free agent at that point. Yeah, but would that be a sign and trade? Yeah, be a sign and trade. I don't, I don't trade. know if I like that at all. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't all right. like that either. All right, look. <laughs> I, I want to get to Jay Jaffe. We'll do that. We'll come back to this a later. I mean, we got a lot to talk about today on the show. Jay Jaffe joining us as we continue talking baseball and beer right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update. Continue. 22 past the hour. Hoping to get uh, Jay Jaffe here in a few minutes on the show. I guess we'll find out right now. Um, oh, cool. Uh, Jay didn't recognize the number. There we go. Let's try him again. All right. No worries. Uh, that's what happens when we have new numbers. Oh, my God. Love it. Anyway. All right. We'll get Jay on the show here in a moment and talk a little baseball and beer. Um, interesting. I, I did not realize this, that when we dial Jay, 
it comes and shows up as name unavailable. Adrian, did you know that? I did not know that. I, I've heard that from some of our previous guests. Like uh, Dave DeFore asks us to text him ahead because it goes automatically to voicemail. His phone automatically goes to voicemail when we try to call him. Well, I, when, when we when we changed numbers, I didn't realize all of a sudden now we're name unavailable. That stinks. I guess there we, should be uh, a 915 because you can't even dial. Remember how we used to always dial the star 82 and then, you know, our number showed up as a 9. We can't even do that anymore. We uh, got rid of all the premium features, I guess. Oh, my God. That says that's 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 disturbing. It really is. All right. Well, let's bring Jay Jaffe back with us on the program. Our apologies, Jay. I didn't realize that our operation has been so scaled down here as of late. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was I, I lost track of the time, too, so I, I wasn't expecting the call. So we're all good. No, that's good to hear. I appreciate that. Let's catch up. Uh, big news today. We'll start it off with the Blue Jays uh, firing Charlie Montoya. Um, you know, they've won two of their last uh, 10 and ultimately despite you know being over 500 and still being in the wild card chase, the Blue Jays decided too many expectations to be playing baseball like this. Uh, surprised that they gave him the axe before the all-star break or is it justified? I'm a little surprised. I mean I you know I, the Blue Jays have been kind of you know in kind of a slide. they've had some injuries. you know I, I think, the um, this seems like like an effort to do something just just to do something here, but it sounds like there were some issues in the clubhouse. Um, I know that there has been a lot of complaint from uh, uh, Kevin Gosman about uh, the use of infield shifts. He has he hasn't been happy with the way the Blue Jays have been shifting behind him. Um, that might have uh, helped to contribute to the per the perception that. Uh, uh, Montoyo had lost the clubhouse. I don't know, um, but I, I have heard that from some places here, so it's possible there's something to that. All right, I always liked it, Charlie Montoyo. I think he was a former Diablo back in his in his Double A days. So I believe, and I have to double check to see. I might be wrong, but I feel like there is 1980s Diablo ties. Yeah, he was drafted by the Brewers in the '87 draft. And then traded 1990. to Mon- 1990 uh, at El Paso. There we go. I thought, thank you. Hey, how about that? And you want to hear something even crazier? That was the year I was the bat boy for the Diablos. So I remember uh, Charlie Montoya. He was on the team okay. that year. Oh okay, wow. I'm All right. You, that's, uh, that's, that's nice. That is such a piece of irrelevant information. But it makes <laughs> me feel better, Jay, just because I, I knew we had a tie with Charlie Montoya. Now we know. There um, you go. And, and by the way, uh, they're going with John Schneider. Not, um, uh, you know, we're not talking about, um, uh, what, uh, Luke Duke. Duke's hazard not, or is it Bo? <laughs> was it Bo or Luke? It was Bo Duke, right? I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was uh, Bo Duke from uh, the Dukes of Hazard. No, this is a guy who actually managed many of uh, the Toronto Stars about four or five years ago when they were all in double A. So they know uh, what John Schneider's all about. Yeah, I, you know that's that's the kind of thing that could that could that could be helpful, especially when you've got like a young core uh, as the Blue Jays do, and a lot was expected from them. We had them, if I'm remembering correctly, we had them as the preseason favorites to win the AL East. Um, you know they've uh, uh, they've invested heavily in free agents, as, you know, while while growing uh, uh, a pretty enviable crop of youngsters. I mean, bringing in guys like George Springer and. Uh, uh, and Gosman on on nine figure deals to to uh, uh, shore up some holes, and so um, 
you know, there's a lot of a lot of pressure on them to win, and and uh, um, you know, I could un- I could understand why you know why looking at this, uh, they felt like they were underachieving. I mean, but the Blue Jays did win 91 games last year, and they did they do occupy a playoff position at the moment. But I guess the perception that they that there should be more to it, uh, you know, is fueling. Um, you know, the, this unrest. I'm with you on that one. Uh, again, talking a little baseball with Jay Jaffe here on Sports Talk All-Star Game right around the corner. You've written a lot of uh, All-Star articles this week. First, Byron Buxton. That was the newest article up today. Finally an All-Star. And then you also talked about the Contreras brothers, Wilson and William, getting a chance to uh, play together on the same team in the All-Star Game, which uh, is rare because you think about uh, the DiMaggio brothers, Dom and Joe. There haven't been a ton that you could say uh, played together in an All-Star Game. Yeah, there have been five that were in the same starting lineup at least once, uh, and a total of 19 sets of brothers uh, have both have both been all stars. Uh, that also includes the three DiMaggio brothers, Vince, Dom, and Joe. Um, but uh, only only five in the same lineup in the same year. Uh, only ten uh, in the same year at all. Um, some cool history that I was able to to research and uncover and. Uh, as well as looking at how the Contreras brothers got there. Both of them are power-hitting catchers who uh, uh, are better with the bats than with the gloves. Uh, that's part of the reason why William is the uh, uh, designated hitter subbing in for Bryce Harper, uh, who uh, was voted as a starter but will miss the game due to his injured thumb. Hey, William's had a really nice uh, season, but the problem oh, is, yeah. you know, they, they've, they've, they've already got right now Travis Darno, who's also having a really nice year. So it's difficult. William can't take over behind the plate on a full-time basis because Darno's been pretty good for them. Yeah, it's, this is also this is a rarity of uh, um, you know, two catchers from the same team uh, making, making an all-star team. It's only happened before to Yankees um, a few times with uh, Yogi Berra and Elston Howard and once with Bill Dickey and his backup buddy Rosen. Um, uh, you, you, you just don't see that often. Personally, I think Will Smith shot, should have been on the team instead of Darno, uh, but uh, um, you know Darno's always been a pretty good catcher too, and uh, uh, the two have been a big factor in the Braves' success so far. I'm with you on that one. All right, more with Jay as we keep things moving, plus his beer pick of the week coming up. But first, let's go right now to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. With uh, Jay Jaffe right now from Fangraphs. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Check out his work at Fangraphs.com. Uh, you also wrote about Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Sandy Alcantara came up as a flame-throwing uh, prospect with the Cardinals. One of the uh, top young arms in their organization goes to the Marlins, and it's funny, he's really developed into one of the best starters with the best control uh, that we have in all of baseball right now. Yeah, it, it's an impressive combo. He's got a great four-pitch mix where <laughs> everything is high velocity. I mean, even his, his slider and his changeup are above 90 miles an hour. There just aren't many players, who, pitchers, who throw harder than him. <laughs> he can hit triple digits. Um, his sinker is really tough to elevate. Um, but the thing that really separates him, you know, besides that, is his stamina. He's pitched into this. He's pitched seven or more innings in 12 straight outings. Uh, that's the longest streak. Uh, since 2014, and he's the first starting pitcher to average seven innings or more uh, 
since 2017. I think Corey Kluber is the only other one who's done that since 2015. Now, I'm with you. And, yeah, that, that is a, it's a good number. It's a good stat. And, and somebody that, again, in a rotation that's filled with young arms. I mean, you look at the Marlins right now, and whether it's Rodgers or Garrett, um, and, and you can just go uh, you know, down the list with, with all the uh, young arms that the Marlins have, uh, Alcantara is right now the best of the group. Yeah, I mean, he might be the best pitcher in the National League. I mean, there's, you know, there's a there's a pretty good case for him to start the All Star game based on his, uh, you know, his his workload and his earned run average. Um, you know, the Marlins have not really made uh, made many waves here, but uh, uh, he's obviously their All Star representative. The question is, is whether uh, Brian Snicker will pick uh, Alcantara over one of the two Dodgers options, uh, Tony Gonsolin, who leads the league in ERA and has a gaudy 11 and 0 one loss record to go with it. Um, thanks to the offensive support he's received, or Clayton Kershaw, who, uh, for all of his accomplishments, has never gotten to start an all-star game, uh, got a little job out of in Harvey got to start in City Field. Um, so there's some sentiments uh, that suggest that uh, uh, it, would be, it would be a good thing to, to start Kershaw in, in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. Um, because there's not going to be any other opportunities for him to do it just like that again. And uh, uh, But he's missed a lot of time due to injuries, and so there's there, this is up for debate. Were you uh, upset at all about uh, Albert Pujols being selected this year and, and also being uh, you know entered into the home run derby competition? No, not at all. I mean, you know, it's the All Star game. Bring yeah. you know, bring the bring the stars out. You know, this is uh, an emeritus pick. You know, it's it's not like it's not like these guys, Ian Cabrera, were you know, taking you know, t- chosen to take spots away uh, from other players. This was this was kind of a special dispensation on the part of the commissioner saying, let's get these guys here. Absolutely. Not to mention, I did some research, Jay, and when um, Cal Ripken played in his final All-Star game in his last year, he was batting 240 at the time and yet was voted not only in, he was voted as a starter. So, I mean, you know, there is definitely precedent set on, on some of the greats when you know they're calling it a career to have that last season in, as an All-Star. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lifetime achievement award, and, and it's pretty cool, and you know, I mean, I think each of these guys is going to get one plate appearance, and that's it. And they'll get their ovations and and uh, uh, enjoy the spotlight for a moment. I'll tell you what else is great. I think the home run derby is going to be amazing. Especially, we found out today Julio Rodriguez is going to get to compete, and then you've got Pujols, you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., you've got uh, Kyle Schwarber, you've got Juan Soto, not to mention Peter Alonso, um, and it's just it's sounds like be John awesome. Carlos Stanton as well. Yeah, I mean it's. This could be the greatest uh, home run derby ever, if you think about it. I mean, you know, last year's last year's at Coors Field was pretty great, so I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I I, I think that uh, uh, we'll wait and see who the rest of the field is, but no. uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm just looking at star power, and you're right, Coors was great, but then again, let's be honest, Jay, um, if we were at Coors Field uh, hitting home runs, um, I'm not saying we would be hitting moonshots that are 500 feet, but if there was ever a place that you ever wanted to go try to take batting practice, see if you can clear the fence, that's your pick. You're you're, you're definitely going with Coors. Yeah, I think that would. I mean, it's just it's so fun to see people hit there. It was a lot of fun to watch last year. I, you know, the home run derby doesn't mean anything, and it is entertaining as hell. And and I just I really do enjoy uh, watching it and covering it, even from afar here. What do you have coming up at Fangraphs later this week? Um, let's see here. I am working on something about another all-star kind of made this into an unofficial series of how they got there. 
this is Martin Perez, obviously probably somewhat familiar to your listeners. He's back with the Rangers this year and having uh, uh, what's looking like a career year. First-time All-Star at age 31, um, doing a few things differently, not everything differently, and uh, it's kind of interesting. So good. looking at that, probably going to look at the, uh, at the Padres, who are hoping for good news on Fernando Tatis Jr. here. Uh, after getting so much uh, uh, delay, they're hoping he can finally start baseball activities here. But uh, um, you know, they're still they've they're, they've still had an impressive first half without him, and uh, I'll be taking a look at some of the reasons why. How do you like the uh, opportunity now for teams to trade draft picks for uh, prospects? Because that's exactly what the Braves did with the Royals earlier in the week. Well, they can only trade the competitive balance picks. They can't trade which are which are, the, which are like a handful of picks between the between the rounds. They can't trade. You can't trade the number one pick or whatever uh, the right to choose number one like you can in basketball uh, or football. But uh, you know, it's 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 a useful thing. I think they should open. You know, and I think many people in the game feel that they should open it up to uh, uh, be able to have free, uh, you know, freely be able to trade all draft picks. Yep. And that could. Uh, uh, make make more sense. I like that too. I would love to see uh, all picks uh, on the table, just like the other sports you mentioned. But it is a rarity. It happened though, and and that's uh, what uh, sends us into our weekly beer pick of the week. Jay, what are we profiling for our listeners? All right, this is one that uh, I grabbed at uh, the local um, uh, Trader Joe's. It's 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 another local beer. It's threes from Threes Brewing. This is their bad wallpaper. Uh, it comes in a bright orange can with blue. You might mistake it for something that has to do with the Mets, but I don't believe that it does. Um, this is uh, a, one of their tropical hazy IPAs, uh, Mosaic and Matuka hops. Uh, comes in at six and a half percent citrusy with, a, with 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 hints of guava. I found it kind of gua- like guava and peach. Uh, a little sweeter than than some of their other IPAs, um, but uh, a nice change and very pleasant. And uh, um, at six point five percent, not too not too heavy. Uh, I really enjoyed this one and uh, went back for a second four pack. Considering what Threes has as far as their uh, IPAs, it sounds like uh, Bad Wallpaper is uh, is one of those medium IPAs, right? Not too yeah, heavy, kinda, not too yeah. Hard. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would say it's right in the middle there in terms of it's it's one of the sweeter ones, but not one of the heavier ones. Sounds like a winner, Jay. Always enjoy the conversation. Look forward to. Uh, are we going to talk at the All Star break next week? What do you think? Uh, we'll be, I'll be in touch behind the scenes here. I haven't figured out what my schedule is going to be. We'll talk then. All right, sounds good. Jay Jaffe, folks, joining us from Fangraphs as we continue here on Sports Talk 20 in front of five. More in a moment. Jared Sandberg, manager of the Chihuahuas. He's 20 minutes away as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. You know what time it is. Well, it's really 48 after, but I mean the other time. Time for Adrian's movie review, where Adrian goes back in time. And a movie that most of us have seen and loved, Adrian gets to add to his movie collection. Brought to you by our friends at Alamo Draft House. They were terrific hosts for us yesterday at our big event that we had and hosted 
for all of our clients. But now they are bringing us uh, this week's movie review. Adrian, what are we going to be talking about today? Real quick, a big shout out to Alamo Drafthouse East and West locations for hosting us yesterday, our event for Town Square Media. You can check out their season pass, which is now available at Alamo Drafthouse. You can watch unlimited movies and get tickets in advance on a low cost per month, $16.99 a month. You just go to drafthouse.com for more information on that. My movie today, Beverly Hills Cop, a classic. Stop it. How have you not know, seen Steve, Beverly Hills Cop Steve, until now? This was like Blade Runner. When oh. I watched this film I and I and I saw this one, I was like, man, this where where have I been? What did your parents do to you? Like, like how did your dad not introduce that even when you were a kid? You know, the thing is, is he probably did. He probably tried to introduce it. And I probably resisted at one point. And oh, so, my God. Uh, I have some questions to ask you all at the end of this film. So, uh, at the end of this film review, I should say. Uh, Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy, is a classic, classic character. I really don't have to say that much. This is a classic. People people out there, if you know, you know for Beverly Hills Cop. It's just a classic. He's he's moving. Uh, Moving over to Beverly Hills on a quote-unquote vacation uh, as one of his childhood buddies is murdered while he's visiting Detroit. Axel Foley, that's the cop uh, that Eddie Murphy ends up playing. He follows leads to Beverly Hills, and then he finds out that one of his old friends, Jenny, uh, her boss, uh, whose name is Victor... Might have might have something to do with this uh, murder. So he investigates throughout the entire movie. It's hilarious. I mean, the the investigators who are uh, trying to follow him, trying to uh, sabotage his investigation, are great. The local police department is hilarious. They're trying to uh, come up with excuses as to why he needs to be run out of town left and right. Just a just a really funny movie all around. This is the comedic relief that you might need on, on a on a daily any any kind of day. And this is one that also is televised very frequently. I saw this one on Paramount Plus. You can watch this one on Amazon Prime with a free subscription or a premium subscription. And this one is televised, like I said, a lot. This one, Steve, this is a this is a nine out of ten bananas for me. It's an easy one for me for Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know how I haven't seen it. Uh, the signature getup that uh, Eddie Murphy rocks in this one, the gray sweater and the jeans, is a classic look. Uh, my questions to you all: Beverly Hills Cop one is on my list, but Beverly Hills Cop two and three are not. Do I need to watch those two? Did you like the first one? I, I thought nine out of ten bananas. I thought it was fantastic. Here's the way I look at second and third. They're fun. They're just not the re- not as good as the original. Not the the first is still the best. They tried. The jokes are still good. The the, the comedy was good. The, the, even the you know the the personalities. It's just not, nothing's as good as the first one. This is not Top Gun. We're talking about. Jason, your thoughts? No, I say I, I think he has to go see. He has to see the second one at least. The third one, you kind of missed that one. But the second one, you got to watch. I like the second one uh, the most. You like the second one better than the first one? Yeah. All right, I like wow. the first one the best, but that's cool. I'm I'm interested. I, I loved the cinematography, the '80s, and watching L.A. and California. Just everybody's getup. Like this is just a, a fantastic movie all all across the board. It reminded me of Saturday Night Live. It really did, and like all the skits Eddie Murphy w- was in, um, you know, in, in SNL, and uh, just a classic. I, I really really love this movie. And Judge Reinhold, one of the more underrated um, supporting actors you're ever going to find in the cinema world. He was terrific. I was going to say, like, when it comes to movies 
with uh, guys like Chris Farley. I don't know guys like yeah, you know, just the SNL crew, SNL guys. He's always like a pot. He's always appearing in those. I loved him in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ridgemont High, yeah, 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 yeah. love that, that one. It's good stuff. All right, look. Uh, Nine out of ten. You've given us a lot of nine out of ten reviews recently, but you've also seen a lot of really good movies yeah. recently. Yeah, the stretch I'm on right now is good. I'm not watching any of these uh, B-list uh, sports movies out of the, 80s, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That's for sure. All right, Beverly Hills Cop taken care of. We crossed that off the list as we continue here on Sports Talk. Hour number two right around the corner. We're going to get a chance to talk a little uh, Chihuahuas baseball with Jared Sandberg. What a year he's had, by the way, Adrian. If you look at Jared Sandberg in his first year managing this team, he's had vets, he's had superstars, he's had rookies, and he's been able to keep this team right now one game out of first place in their division. Despite never really having a consistent roster, consistent lineup, having guys call up left and right or sent down left and right. In fact, today uh, the, the Padres reinstate Adrian Morejon Yep. And then they option Reese Kinnear to El Paso. So, I mean, you've got these moves, significant moves, on a daily basis, and Sandberg has done a great, great job of managing everything there. I agree with you. So we'll get a chance to catch up with uh, the skipper for the first time since April when we talked to him before the season even began. So we'll do that coming up here in just a little bit. By the way, speaking of Chihuahuas, they are 90 minutes away. That's right. Homestand continues through Sunday, and then they're gone till the 2nd of August. So this is your opportunity to go watch the Chihuahuas as uh, they battle it out with Round Rock. We'll do it again coming up right after Sports Center here at the top. Stay with us. We continue. 600 ESPN El Paso. Two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We've got uh, Chihuahuas baseball 90 minutes from now. Tim Haggerty will uh, give you all the action as uh, the Chihuahuas and the Round Rock uh, Express continue their uh, series here from Southwest University Park. And uh, with us right now is the manager of uh, your Chihuahuas. Very happy to have uh, Jared Sandberg back with us on the program. Skip, welcome back and uh, uh, great to have you on the show. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me, Steve. Team's doing great. Um, you look at the way this season has gone and uh, probably can't ask for much more. You're a game back of Oklahoma City, 49-36 and 36 is your record. We always talk about how you know wins and losses uh, aren't nearly as important as uh, player development at this level, especially with your younger talent, but you still want to win baseball games. You've been able to do that this year and put together some great stretches, including eight of your last ten and four in a row. Yeah, it's been uh, a great season. Uh, a couple things come to mind when you're kind of describing our season so far. You know, you know, one from a developmental standpoint, you know, we've been able to you know get players from El Paso up to the big leagues and and help the major league team uh, on their journey to go win a World Series. So, you know, whether it's you know whether it's going up and making a spot start, you know, Kinnear, Taylor Scott going up to the bullpen and helping out, you know, Pedro Avila you know, being a starter here and then going up and pitching the big leagues. Um, but then you got, you know, the guys like Mazzara, you know, going up there and, and finding his way in the lineup and continuing what he was doing down here and, and having all the success and dominating this league. Uh, and then just be able to go up there and, you know, show that the adjustments that he was making down here can actually play in the big leagues. And, you know, Nomar's off to a great start up there and helping out. Uh, and then you got, you know, Matt Batten, you know, a journeyman kind of through the minor leagues, and he was here in El Paso for a couple of years. It was really exciting to, you know, get him to the big leagues and, you know, start his career and go up there and have some success and, 
and contribute, you know, playing some left field and third base and moving around like we saw here in El Paso. Uh, and then, you know, you know, the energy guy, the, you know, the guy at the top of our order the last what was about a month or so, S.A. Ruiz, you know, did a fantastic job here and a wonderful, you know, minor league season going and, you know, gets the call to, to go up there and kind of spark that major league team. And he's gone up there and, and done a nice job. So one, you know, from a development standpoint, getting those guys to the big leagues. And then two, you know, being able to win down here with the influx of the roster. I mean, the roster is changing, um, you know, with the names I just said, you know, going up and down and, you know, um, you know, even including Trace Thompson in there, he was off to a great start for us and then, you know, goes up and, and moves on and goes to a couple different organizations and he's contributing with the Dodgers. So, um, you know, the roster's changing and, you know, we're pulling guys from, you know, Fort Wayne and, and San Antonio and, and making this thing work. So, you know, our coaching staff is on it. They've done a great job so far uh, over the course of this season, keeping everybody organized and, and on task and getting our work in. And, and we're going out there and we're competing and win games is a, is a huge bonus. And, and, and ultimately that's why we're here. So, it's been a great start to the season. One name you didn't mention was Robinson Cano, who was just acquired by the Braves and has been playing in the series against the Mets. I heard nothing but amazing things about the way he interacted with teammates, fans, and just the, the pro's pro. And, and when you've played as long as he has in a spot like that, you don't know what you're getting. But ultimately, I heard uh, nothing but uh, rave reviews about uh, Robinson Cano during his time with the Chihuahuas. Yeah. Um, when you when you talk about development, you're usually thinking of like, you know, the 21, the 22, 23 year old, you know, young prospects like an Iggy Rosario. Um, not you're not thinking about a, you know, a guy that's played in the big leagues for what 18 seasons, 39 years old, um, you know, been an All Star, and all and all the accolades that come along with it. And for him to you know come down here to AAA and and do what he did was was fantastic. You know, I think three things for me. Uh, one is he came down here and we asked him to make a, a, a physical change to his, his swing. Um, and he was able to work on that uh, and get the ball in the air, more pull side. Uh, and, it, and it translated the last week and a half, two weeks where he was able to hit some home runs. And we we're like, Oh, this is the Robinson Cano that, you know, everybody remembers. And, you know, he still had the bat speed to go along with it. And, and then, you know, too, like he was just a leader and a mentor to these, these young, the young players here. I mean, he, he took Ruiz and, 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 uh, Rosario, and the list goes on and on. Uh, Liberato, I mean, all these guys, he just took him under his wing, and, and whether it was, you know, going out for early running in the afternoon heat um, to get the running in or, or pulling him the, all of those guys in the weight room after the game uh, to get their lifts in. Um, and, and if he can do it, you know, those young kids can do it. And he, was, he really taught them uh, what leadership, uh, what work ethic is, and, you know, what it takes to, to grind through a season. So, we are very appreciative of, of having him here. He was he was outstanding. Um, you couldn't he fit right in. Uh, he he was awesome in the clubhouse. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss him, but uh, definitely excited for him and his opportunity to get to the Atlanta Braves and contribute to their uh, World Series run as well. Because uh, yeah, he's a fantastic human being and has had a great career so far. Jared, I feel like you guys have come full circle, especially you, because you probably came up around the same time, um, you in Tampa, him with the Yankees, and now here he is uh, having a chance to, to play for you, uh, trying to get back to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, like being a, being a manager or coach, you start your coaching career and you start to realize like you know, you're getting older when you know, you're coaching or managing players that you've either played with or played against and uh, yeah, Robbie and I never really crossed paths. It was right at the end of my career. 
when he was, you know, starting his career. But um, yeah, it was yeah, it's it's always a challenge when you get you know some guys like that with you know some big league time and they come down with a chip on their shoulder. But he came down with uh, the you know a chip on his shoulder, and that was to get back to the big leagues and work. And and he did it the right way. And uh, like I said, we're really appreciative of having him here and what he taught us. Jared Sandberg with us here on Sports Talk, talking to the manager of the Chihuahuas before Round Rock and El Paso continues their homestand here at Southwest University Park coming up 6.30 tonight on 600 ESPN El Paso. What about a guy like Taylor Colway? He's 27 years of age. He was a 21st-round draft pick of the Padres back in 2016. Here he is in AAA, having a terrific year, eight homers, uh, 327 batting average. Uh, he gets on base. He knocks him in. And, you know, when I saw Matthew Batten get called up, I thought, you know what, maybe Taylor Colway will be the next one that could have a chance uh, later this season. Yeah, what an incredible story. You know, all he's done is hit, and, uh, you know, he's – Similar path to uh, Batten got to AAA pretty quickly in his uh, minor league journey, but um, you know not a high round draft pick, not a top prospect, but uh, a guy that you know can play all three outfield positions, first base, and then you know just the at bats that he puts together in the batter's box are really impressive. You know he got the 20 doubles to go along with you know, the stat line you just talked about, but you know he, you know he swings at strikes, takes the balls, puts together good at bat, you know drives in runs, so. Um, you know, and he can even steal base if needed. You know, he, he can run a little bit too. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be fun when, when when his time comes. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a big leader in in our eyes as a coaching staff and and uh, the body of work that he's put together. Um, you know, and just you know, basically he's got to keep doing what he's been doing, top five and in the league in most offensive categories. And uh, he's a fun player to watch, and he's getting he's getting an opportunity right now to, to play every day and showcase his skills and. Um, his, you know, who knows when his opportunity will come, but, you know, 27 years old, um, never too late. I mean, he's kind of entering, you know, his prime right now. So you can see that with some of the adjustments he's made uh, as well, like him trying to, you know, get the ball in the air, pull side, and the work that he's done in the weight room and his, um, his uh, pregame or his prep work when he goes into the cage with the med ball routine and stuff like that as far as rotation and working on his uh, his rotation and hips and, in uh, in front leg, so he's made some good adjustments to get the ball in the air, hit some more homers, and uh, we talked about you know with him early in the season, and you know from a development standpoint, sometimes you just never know when it's going to click, and uh, when it's clicked for him, it's been fun because he's hit a couple balls, uh, you know, at the doghouse and or over the doghouse too in right field, so um, his opportunity will come, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. You only had 30 games with C.J. Abrams, but it seems like you made a great, great uh, adjustment with him over the last few weeks of his time in El Paso, and he leaves with a 314 batting average, goes back up to San Diego. Now he's hitting. He's hitting for power. And and people forget he never had any time in AAA before he uh, came down this year. So another great example of how, you know what, sometimes when you're a young prospect and the best in the system, you need a little more development in AAA, especially if you try to make that tough jump from double a to the bigs yeah um you know him making the opening day roster uh for the major league team uh was an exciting time for him and for us as an organization because you know he's an exciting player um and then you know he's up there and you know didn't get the consistent playing time and you know kind of off to a slow start showcased his skills well but uh for him to come back down um playing triple a i believe it was the first time in triple a so it's triple a debut he had you know a couple homers so uh, that, that seasoning is important for all these young players. And, you know, it, you know that, that last year with COVID, you know, has affected a lot of players and, and, you know, has forced some of the players to be 
be pushed a little bit faster maybe than they would have in the past. But um, my, my first year in the organization with the Padres, uh, it seems like, you know, guys, they get rewarded for good play. And, and if you're, if you have talent, you're going to, you're going to be pushed. So yeah, he made some good adjustment. He still, you know, needs to find that comfort level at the upper, upper levels and you're facing the best of the best every night. So for him, the biggest thing is consistent defense and, in the batter's box, you know, not chasing the pitcher around the the strike zone and getting good pitches to hit and making those swings count. And when he does, man, he's got bat bat speed. He's got the ability to hit the ball in the gap. You know, he had a couple of oppo home runs here um, with the pull side power as well. But you know, he puts the ball in play. Uh, the speed really plays as well. So when we had Ruiz and Abrams at the top of the order for two three weeks. Uh, that was if you didn't come to the ballpark, then you missed you missed. Uh, a site that some scouts don't even get to see that speed power combination of those two players at the top and talking to Ryan Christensen, a uh, big league bench coach for the Padres yesterday morning. You know, he was, you know, been trying to figure out ways to, to get Abrams and Ruiz, uh, that speed power combination in their lineup. Um, you know, at times in the big leagues uh, to help them, you know, kind of energize them and, and put some pressure on some defenses. So, yeah, Abrams is a special talent, and um, I'm glad that he's starting to feel a little more comfortable with the playing time and you know playing at the big league level because that stage is is uh, unlike any other. You touched on pitching earlier in the conversation. Uh, a lot of guys have come up uh, mostly to help out the bullpen. Uh, the, the the starting rotation is stacked. We've known that since the beginning of the season. Uh, Ryan Weathers is still here, trying to get back up to the big leagues. And then you look at the the rest of the guys uh, that you know that are here: Schultons, Leisher, Kinnear, uh, Avila, Westfall, uh, Eshelman, that have all made starts. Why is it so difficult, in your opinion, to uh, you know to to throw together really good starts game in game out in El Paso? We know it's a really good hitters park. Is there a point where it just starts to play on a lot of guys mentally? One thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you you spoke about it because that's the first thing that I want to talk about. Is like I knew that you know El Paso was an offensive you know ballpark and great hitters park, but you know getting here and seeing the first batting practice before the season started and watch just watching the ball fly. And then you start doing some research, you know, like elevations at 37, 40, I believe. And, um, so you get a little higher altitude, the air, um, just the configurations of the ballpark. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, to watch whether it's batting practice or you think you're watching batting practice, you're actually watching, you know, our guys hit during the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough pitch to, to or tough park to pitch in. Um, and so when you start seeing the ball start to fly out of the ballpark, you know, it kind of scares you out of the zone. And, you know, we've just had to continue the conversation of, you know, throwing strikes and teaching these guys, you know, how their stuff, their pitches, their pitch shapes work at this altitude and in this ballpark and in this air, you know, versus when you go to Tacoma or even, you know, Sugarland when you got humidity or, or you're at sea level. So, um, yeah, that's, that's tough. But, you know, these guys, have the, the pitchers have done a great job. You know, Weathers has been in the rotation the entire time, made it, went up and made a spot start. Um, you know, the fastball command, you know, he's been a, did a nice job of making an adjustment with his, his breaking ball. And you know, the change of command needs to, needs to get better as well. But, you know, he's been grinding through. And, you know, we're picking spots where he can get two starts on the road and one start here. Or sometimes he has to make two starts here. But um, I think he's learned a lot about himself as far as, you know, controlling what he can control. And, you know, that's, that's throwing his pitches over the strike zone. And, you know, if he gets hit, he gets hit. Uh, but walking guys and then getting hit on top of that is just going to make matters worse. And, you know, the other thing we've kind of done with, uh, you know, Reese Kinnear made, 
it was in their starting rotation early on, but you know he goes up and pitches, you know, three, four, five innings out of the bullpen. Uh, the one time made impressive, a good impression on the, the big league coaching staff, and um, you know since he's come back, we've turned him into a reliever and uh, kind of helped him create that hybrid role where he can go out there and pitch two or three innings, uh, like like when he's going to call, get called to the big leagues or the other. There, last week we pitched him back to back, so he's you know he's able to kind of build a resume of you know he's been a starter, but also he can also learn how to pitch out of the bullpen. The same goes for like Pedro Avila and, and Jesse Schultons right now as well. So we're kind of creating the uh, the hybrid role for those guys and trying to give them as much um, you know work in all the different roles that they uh, might encounter in the big league. So yeah, the, the pitching uh, we've made some good improvements here lately, and uh, it's going to be. Uh, big for us going forward. We can continue to make some adjustments on the, the pitching side. Five games left against Round Rock here at home. Then uh, you have four days off before you start after the All-Star break with a uh, road trip to Reno and then Tacoma before coming back August 2nd uh, here in El Paso. What are you actually going to do with your time off? Because it's so rare. You get it once a season. Uh, what is the uh, Sandberg family planning on uh, next week? Great question. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Olympia, Washington, which is about 30 minutes south of Tacoma. So it's pretty much home. I'll be able to sleep in my own bed. Uh, so we'll head home for the All-Star break. Uh, we got a backpacking, camping trip planned uh, in in and around Mount Rainier. So that'll be fun to for me, especially uh, with the family, be able to get out uh, off the grid a little bit and uh, go see – the Pacific Northwest, and, and you know, I haven't really, I, you know, I was there the last three summers, you know, coaching with the Seattle Mariners, but before that, it's been since the mid '90s that I've been home for the summer. So I'm looking forward to enjoying some some summer, uh, you know, with no baseball, and then uh, you know, with that, like you said, that Tacoma series right after the All Star break, uh, it'd be nice to be able to spend some extra time at home and in my own bed and, and around family and friends. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe try and get in some golf as well. Um, so yeah, it should be uh should be a good nice little four day break. All right. Well listen, you enjoy yourself. Have fun. We appreciate the conversation, the time, and uh, look forward to having a chance to talk to you again here down the road and to uh, catch up on, on some more Chihuahuas baseball. Sounds good. Call me time. Thanks again. Jared Sandberg, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Take a time out when we come back. Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. He'll join us next, right after Charlie One and this traffic update. It's the show. Boycotting sports talk the rest of the week. You know why. Um, I don't know. Maybe um, he wasn't thrilled with uh, Jared Sandberg talking about one of his favorite players. Maybe that's it. I'm not 100% sure. Could it possibly be because we brought on Adam Young yesterday as a guest host to uh, focus the show on uh, NMSU, which probably drove Jaime to where he wanted to, um, you know, take his uh, phone or his radio and throw it through a window? Maybe so. It's possible. You never know. But, hey, you know, listen, when it comes to boycotting our show, it's a free world. I I don't like it. I don't encourage it. But if you feel that that's best for you, you got to do what you got to do. Orly uh, boycotts calling in for 40 days during Lent every year until there's a topic that makes him so crazy he ends his self-imposed uh, boycott and decides to call in anyway, which has happened over the years, by the way. 
I guess Lent is uh, a little longer this year, huh? I haven't heard from Orly in a while. Um, but uh, on the side, on a side note, with Pinky, um, you know, with him boycotting sports talk, maybe it's maybe he did get upset at uh, at what Sandberg said in the previous interview. Maybe he's not happy with that, and as a result, he's having to go to Southwest University Park and, and focus all his attention there instead of a. Uh, Tuning in on Sports Talk. I don't know. There was a tweet of uh, from Pinky uh, like a day ago, and it says, not a Sports Talk today for this guy. That's it. I'll keep it short. Picks up. And he showed his New Mexico license plates with his name. Now, by the way, uh, Pinky, I got news for you. For somebody who won't listen to the show because it's New Mexico State, maybe you should change those license plates to Texas plates and not New Mexico plates. Because to me, it's kind of hypocritical for somebody to be so upset about New Mexico State talk that he boycotts listening, yet he has New Mexico plates with UTEP, UTEP fan, and Texas EP on them. Yeah, I don't get this. Uh, I'm with you on this one because I, I've seen the, the license plates. People ask me from time to time, hey, what's the deal with the guy with the license plates if they're New Mexico license plates, but he's a UTEP fan? Uh, I, I tell him, hey, that's, that's what you get with Pinky. He's, uh, he lives out there in Santa Teresa, and, uh, yeah, I guess he sports those license plates. I mean, listen, you're okay with the state income tax situation, but you're not okay with the university? Uh, I don't know about that one. I mean, it doesn't. You can't have a dog both ways. You can't. So I don't know, Pinky. You gotta, you know. Hey, you gotta do what's best for you. And if you're missing out on the rest of the week, I just gotta tell you, there's gonna be great guests. You just missed a great, uh, great conversation today. So uh, unfortunately for you, you'll have to, uh, you know, cut your grass and listen to uh, something else this week, which is which is totally cool. We'll see you next Monday. So uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you again uh, in about five days. All right, line ringing in. 915-505-6009. That's our telephone number here on Sports Talk. 915-505-6009. You can also tweet the show. 600 ESPN El Paso uh, on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones right now. Brian from downtown is going to join us next. Welcome in, Brian. Good to have you on. How are you today? Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. I thought I'd give you my take about uh, the the living in Los, living in New Mexico and uh, being a UTEP minor fan. You know, uh, there's been an awful lot of changes over the last 10, 15 years. First of all, we're a met, we're a metropolis. You know, Santa Teresa is is a suburb of El Paso. It's not a suburb of Las Cruces. True. Okay. True. Just, just like Anthony, New Mexico, is as well. And uh, I'm just saying that. Uh, 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 the reason, you know, El Paso uh, has its its uh, population has stayed pretty much even over the last ten years, while Las Cruces has grown by like a third. It's because of the tax situation. I mean, you have a you have a house. What you know, you talk about uh, uh, taxes. Uh, you, you, re- you referenced it just a minute ago, but the truth is, is that we're losing population because there's people that can't just we're the second highest property tax. Uh, second only to like, uh, like Jersey. Detroit in I th- the United States. I, I know Jersey's got ridiculous property taxes too, but the point is, it's insane how high the property taxes are. Now, some will say high property taxes, low home values. Well, not anymore. Home values now are starting to go through the roof, right. but I haven't seen that being reciprocated with lowering the tax rates. Well, it hasn't, and that's the point. 
the point I'm trying to make is, is you can still be an El Pasoan and you can live in Sunland Park. You can live in Santa Teresa. You can live out on the outskirts of town and still enjoy all the benefits of being a Texan, except the liability of having those ridiculous uh, um, property tax rates that Texas and El Paso impose on you. Yeah, I get you. But it's still weird seeing Jaime show up with three UTEP-themed license plates that are no. all the yellow New Mexico plates. That's just that, and, he doesn't, and he hates New Mexico State. So I think that part, that, that part cracks me up. I think I pretty much explained it, didn't I? You, yeah, kind of, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> a, a little bit, maybe a little bit. Look, yeah. look there, I, I, there, are, there are people that are my age and older that have lost their homes in this town because, they, because even though their houses are paid off, they can't afford to pay the annual taxes on them because they're fixed income and retired. Maybe you should. Maybe you should just. Can you run for, uh, you know, run for mayor? And the first thing you're going to do is lower our property taxes. It's impossible. In fact, as long as we're the most liberal county in the in the state of Texas, as long as we're as every single, and I'm talking about city representatives and county representatives, every single elected official is a Democrat. It's not going to happen. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. I guess we're all going to be moving. Maybe we're all going to be moving out to uh, Santa Teresa and become neighbors with Pinky. Well, that might be that unless, might be our future. Unless you're middle or upper middle middle class, if you're a little bit lower than middle or you're poor, yeah, I'd say I'd say pile up, put everything off in your minivan and find a place in Santa Teresa yeah. because property values continue to go up here. The price of houses continue to go up, and so do the property taxes. And someone on fixed income. Forget it. They're going to have to live in an apartment, and they're building apartments here like crazy. They sure are. That's exactly. Yeah, you want to be in a good investment opportunity? Go own an apartment complex. My goodness, that's the way to do it. <laughs> well, that's one way to think of it. I yep. think Absolutely. I'd rather put my money elsewhere. But yeah, I know if I were younger, that might be a good option. All right. Good job, Brian. Good to hear from you. Thanks Take for the call. Care. Thanks. All right. Thirty-one pass. More in a moment. As sports talk continues. First, let's go to Adrian. He's got a bottom of the hour sports center update. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate that. 33 now past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, Hags an hour from now with uh, Chihuahua's baseball. He'll actually join us about 45 minutes from now as we continue. So Adrian reviewed Beverly Hills Cop last hour and uh, gave it 9 out of 10 bananas. And we started thinking about that movie because, you know, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Where do you, you know, where do you watch it? And uh, apparently, you know, it's on Paramount Plus. And, um, we started looking into it, and and that's the only place it's it's at right now. And that brings up the question of of all these streaming services out there. I mean, I don't know about all of you, but like we were discussing during the break, uh, Jason was was telling us he goes, "You got to get Paramount Plus. I mean, you got that thing's awesome. It's got everything." I'm like, "How much can you have?" I mean, I don't know. But here's my situation personally. Okay, I'm just going to give you me. We started with Netflix. We have had we've had Prime forever, so we get Prime part of the of the package. That you just you get the TV channels with when you when you buy the shipping deal, and that's just the way Prime works, right? So Prime and Netflix were given. Then we expanded out. I had to get ESPN uh, Plus because ESPN Plus is terrific. It's got more sports than you can handle. Best sports, uh, it's the best sports buy on the planet. Um, then we went out and and got and got crazy. Disney Plus, uh, HBO Max. Peacock, it's like, good God, no wonder we never watch any live TV anymore. 
all we watch now are these apps and these streaming services. Now, a lot of them have sports. Peacock, you get everything through NBC, so you get all the soccer you can handle, baseball. Apple, I have Apple Plus, Apple or Apple TV, whatever the hell that's called. You get baseball there. So I've got baseball with Apple. I've got baseball with Peacock. I've got baseball with ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+, Plus gives me hockey, gives me all the college I can handle. By the way, I bought ESPN+, Plus to watch UTEP. How funny is that? I bought it to watch UTEP, and all I get with ESPN is everything else but UTEP, unless it's football season, because you might get uh, lucky and throw you a bone and throw some football games on there. But back to what we're talking about with streaming services. If I get Paramount+, Plus. Then I was looking, and then you could bundle it with Showtime, and my head is spinning. I'm like, wait a minute. I already have HBO Max. Now I'm going to bundle Paramount Plus with Showtime to go along with Peacock, Netflix, Prime, uh, Disney Plus, and, and, and ESPN? I mean, how much can one human being handle? Which begs the question, what's the best streaming service there is? What's the best? Uh, I'm curious about this. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. You can call up and, and give us your thoughts as well, 505-6009. Now, for us, it started with Netflix. I still love Netflix. I do. But there's so much competition out there, it's like pick your poison, all right? Um, if you love comics and Star Wars, hard to go against Disney+, Plus because they've got Marvel, the Star Wars thing, and everything else. But if you love sports... How do you say how do you not pay the 50 bucks or 60 bucks a year and buy ESPN Plus? And then you've got HBO Max and you've got Peacock. And if you love wrestling, how do you say no to that? You got WWE, you get baseball, you get soccer, all the NBC channels. Point is this. Like if you really want to have all the good apps, you're spending over 100 bucks a year on that before you even get into your cable bill and your satellite bill, if you've got that, or if you're just going for your internet bill. Adrian, uh, there's a lot of decisions here to be made. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not ready to just add Paramount Plus to the family because there's there's so much that's out there right now. It's it's like, how do you ever watch live TV anymore because you're too busy with the apps? Yeah, I'm streaming all the time nowadays. Uh, one one uh, thing that you left out, maybe the live TV subscriptions as well. Like, a lot of people uh, have pulled the plug or they've uh, cut the cord. They, they don't want to be on cable, the traditional cable platforms anymore, so they'll get, like, a live TV subscription. Who so needs like that, though? If you're, if you're watching all these other apps and you're watching all these other channels and you're too busy spending time on Peacock or Paramount, or, or Paramount Plus or HBO Max or Disney Plus, how do you have even time to watch the uh, the other services? Yeah, good point. I mean, some people like to watch just the regular like ESPN uh, channel itself, so they'll get a live TV subscription for that. Like, I, I watch uh, both the NBA channel and like the MLB Network channel, where you can watch the quick pitch and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, so I like those shows because it's just the whip around, and you get to get uh, kind of like the best uh, at the end of the night and stuff like that, and kind of catch up on all the sports. Sure. So I still like the live TV aspect of a premium streaming subscription. So I like like the YouTube TVs, the Hulu. Live TV and Sling TV. I've been subscribed to all three of those. Uh, I've I ditched Sling recently, but I, and I'll swear by both uh, YouTube TV and Hulu TV. So I'm with you, Steve. I, the only one that you mentioned that I don't have is Peacock. Uh, I do have Paramount. I do have Showtime as well. Uh, they have definitely piled up. But I'm going to ask you a philosophy streaming question. Are you a sharer? Do you share like streaming platforms and you say, hey, uh, you know, mom's got this, uncle's got you know, net 
Netflix. Um, you know, the, the sisters got Disney Plus, and, and everybody kind of combines all the passwords, subscriptions, and all that stuff, and shares profiles. No, really? Do you? Yes. Yeah. We've done so. So you like so you'll buy some, they'll buy some, and that way everybody kind of splits the bill. Yeah, kind of. Like so, for example, I'll go in at Hulu TV. Uh, Fiance got has a YouTube TV. She also has Netflix, so I'm not worried about Netflix. But I'll have HBO Max. She's got, uh, you know, her mom has got some kind of uh, subscription that I'll I'll jump in on. Like maybe it's Amazon Prime. And so then I've kind of got the whole mix melting pot of all the subscriptions right there without having to pay over a hundred bucks. And the subscriptions don't decide to kind of put a put an end to that and say, listen, only one or two devices or one IP address and not multiple ones. That's what I'm always worried about. Like ESPN Plus, I'm pretty uh, conservative about sharing my uh, mm-hmm. password there because I'm not trying to watch a UTEP game and then get booted out and saying, hey, you're you're on too many devices. So I don't want any of that kind of stuff. So I'll pick and choose. You know, if I if I know that I'm not going to be on uh, Paramount Plus as much, yeah, I'll share the password here and there. I didn't even mention Pluto TV, which is a free service. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, here is the sports on Pluto TV right now, okay? Here is what they currently are having. CBS Sports HQ. Fox Sports, speak for yourself. Super Bowl Classics on the NFL Channel. MLB, uh, 10-27-20, and it's a show about the Dodgers. Major League Soccer, PGA Golf, um, Pluto Sports, Boxing, Bellator MMA, Glory Kickboxing, Pro Wrestling. I mean, that's just, and that's a free, even a poker. And that's a free B2 with Pluto TV. And that doesn't even cost anything. So, Jason, there's so much to choose from. What's your go-to streaming? I'm I I go for like the best content, honestly. Um, so wherever they've sold me to get, I'm going straight to it. Uh, of course, you know me. I'm, I'm Peacock. That was a given. Once they took away the WWE Network, I had to go straight to Peacock. They forced me to do that. Yeah, and you can buy it for five bucks with a uh, you know with with commercials. So it's a great deal there. Commercials. If you want, if you want to go cheap, you can go five bucks a month. No, I gotta get. I can't. I have a quality of life to uphold. So you will not do the commercials. I can't do it. I Got just it. can't. Some certain things, like if it's a TV show that you know normally would have a commercial, I, I'll do that. That's fine. I won't. You know, like Hulu commercials. That's fine. So Peacock is your number one. That's your number one service because of wrestling. Uh, yes, and and Paramount just because of some of the content they have. It's mm. it's really really. They got some good stuff over there. Like what, Star Trek? I like the Star The new Star Trek stuff they've been putting out has been really, really good. But I just finished a show. Uh, it just came out called The Terminal List with mm. Chris Pratt. Um, oh, amazing, amazing. And then 1883, if you watched uh, Yellowstone, is like the prequel of that. A uh, good show. And uh, The Mayor of Kingstown. So three shows, like, they killed it. So Paramount's one of my favorite favorite ones. Plus, they have all the Comedy Central, MTV fair stuff. Enough. It's all on Paramount. Okay, that's fair. Um, Adrian, your one channel, your one go-to, what is it? HBO. HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah. I think um, for me, I, I look at three things when I get a subscription, and it's just my personal preference. I go show, like how, how are the show selections, because I'll, it's easier to watch a you know, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour show versus you know a two-hour uh, movie. Then I'll look at the new movies. That's my second thing that I look at is what new movies do they have out. But three, I always look at the sports documentaries. I always like to dive into the sports docs. I feel like HBO has a great selection of what they, what they do on the sports side of things, so you 
can really, really uh, get down a, a nice rabbit hole um, if you go down uh, the HBO Max, ra- um, you know, avenue. What do you? What do you? What's your go-to, Steve? I like it. Um, you know, I, I like HBO Max a lot. We watch a lot of that. We watch a lot of Peacock because we're big Office fans, and uh, we nice. like the Office. And the WWE Network is on there too, so we're we're on Peacock an awful lot. Um, and they had Superstore and some of the other NBC shows that were pretty good. Uh, watch a lot of Disney Plus. Watch a lot of HBO Max. But you know what's funny with everything out there? Sometimes you just go back to Netflix. It started it all. It might not have all the library that it used to have, but there's still. If you like documentaries, you could stay on Netflix for the rest of your life and never get bored with all the documentaries that they've loaded up. Yeah, I feel like documentary wise, Netflix has the best. I, I feel like though the original content for Netflix sometimes is lacking. Like sometimes it's a big miss. And and I'll watch Netflix for the big things, like the must watch things that you have to. But I could be off Netflix. Like yeah. I don't I don't need the subscription myself. Point is. There's so much out there. You never should. I mean, it's insane. So remember when I was growing up as a kid, you watch TV and, you know, you knew what days and what times to watch your certain shows. Now, it doesn't matter what day it is. You can have whatever you want to watch, whenever you want to watch. It's just it's on demand. Uh, it's on demand viewing. You can watch anything now, and anything. and, it's, and uh, these free, you know, these free platforms as well. We just talked about Pluto, but there's like this one that's called Freebie TV that I recently heard about, and I'm thinking to myself, like, a lot of people probably watch these these channels, and they're quality, you know, TV streaming platforms as well, and they're free. Family members are not texting me that we should share our passwords and cut bills in half. So thank you. There it you is, go. Apparently, it is it is working. Fifteen in front of six as sports talk continues. We'll come back, wrap up hour two of three right here on six hundred ESPN El Paso. Fifty three past the hour as we continue here on sports talk. Looking at some of the tweets coming in. Eddie Morelos at the mayor LC. Best streaming service, Disney Plus, because of Star Wars and Marvel and National Geographic. I also like Peacock for the Premier League and HBO Max for the Big Bang Theory and Friends. Worst, ESPN Plus. So I don't know, man. ESPN Plus has so much baseball and hockey. Like, if, if you're thinking about it, if you really like pro sports, there's, and there's a ton of college on there. Interesting that he says it's the worst. It's also five bucks a month. Maybe maybe he's talking about the quality at times with the college broadcast because I'll level with him there. Sometimes on ESPN Plus, uh, the college sports broadcasts are not always, um, you know, quality. Let's just put it that. Let's put it nicely, uh, nicely like that. Um, also, ESPN Plus, I feel like I get a lot of value from just reading the articles. So you know, it doesn't even have to be the streaming; it could be the articles for me. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Um, meanwhile, Esteban says, "Jaime and I have been friends for twenty years. He boycotts me too." Thank you, uh, Esteban. Um, and, and by the way, we all know about uh, we all know about uh, Pinky's license plates and all that. We were just giving him a hard time. We know the stories. We know Pinky well, really, really well, so well that um, we like to have fun on the show. And, and and some people thought we were being serious, but no, we 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 understand why. And he did it, and and, and appreciate that though. Thank you, Esteban. When we come back. 30 to go. We're going to get you right up to Chihuahua's Baseball Hags right around the corner. It's all happening here. 600 ESPN will pass. Well, things just got worse for Yankee fans. Luis Severino exiting after two innings. His velocity was way down. Gave up four runs on four hits and two walks to the Reds. And took two warm-up pitches in the top of the third and it just walked right off the mound and said, I'm done. 
The Yankees cannot afford this, especially when you've got uh, Teon, who's been struggling as of late. And I know you got Garrett Cole. I know you've got Jordan Montgomery. Um, and I understand that. And the Yankees are still the Yankees. They're 61 and 26. They're 34 and 10 at home. They're the Yankees. They're, uh, they're amazing. But now you take out ultimately Severino from the mix. Who knows how long that's going to be? And, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez has been more hittable. Uh, Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery can't do it themselves. So, Adrian, tough news if you're a Yanks fan here uh, in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon before we get ready for the All-Star break here uh, starting next week. Yeah, this is not the news they wanted to hear at all. Like, I, I can't believe this happened today, uh, losing potentially Luis Severino. We're going to have to monitor this news throughout the rest of this week to kind of find out what's going on here. Uh, discomfort's not that, that all this, you know, all of this news right here of him exiting early—that's just not a good sign, right there. I am a little worried about their rotation, and yeah, it's been hit. I mean, these are also uh, rotational pieces, Steve, that go, like to go deep in games. Like they pitch six plus innings uh, a lot of times, almost so, all the time. Yeah, and that that'll be a, a huge hit if they lose Luis Severino. It will be because again, Teon hasn't been pitching great, and Cortez has been off a little bit as of late. So really, Garrett Cole is consistent, and and my. Montgomery's been pretty good, but they're, you know, the Yankees, that big league can evaporate in a matter of weeks if they don't have any pitching. Exactly right. And I even looked at this last, I mean, I get it. It, it was just the recent series against the Red Sox, but I, I looked at those last two games and I, I kind of got a little worried uh, for the Yankees at points because, you know, while they're while they're still the Yankees, while they still have uh, one of the best bat, batting teams in all of baseball, I still am a little worried when it comes to, you know, their inconsistencies at times. And the way that they relinquished that lead in that last game against the Red Sox, the way that they lost that previous game 6-5, I mean, you know, those are little red flags that could go a long way when, when it's all said and done in October. Severino's season average is 96 miles an hour. He was His fastball tonight was averaging 93.8 in the first inning. So if you think about it, that tells you when you've got a guy that's normally throwing 96, 97, 98, and he's essentially averaging 93, 94, something's up. When the Cincinnati Reds go back to back to back off you, uh, in the bottom of their lineup, that's when you really know you got problems. No, you're exactly right on that. I feel like they're going to really have to lean on Nestor Cortez, who, like you said, it, he's been inconsistent. He's allowed runs on his end. And it, it, even though he's taken wins in his last three starts, Nestor Cortez is someone who's also given up eight run, uh, earned runs in his last three starts. So it's it's still numbers are piling up for these guys. I don't know how much you can lean on Nestor Cortez, but I agree. they have to. Well, and the Yankees, the good news for the Yankees is this. They have a good farm system, and if they need to, they can always trade from within and acquire a starter at the deadline. They've got they've got the bullets to do it, and that's important because you 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 want to put together a good farm system. So if you need reinforcements, you can get it, and I could totally see the Yanks doing that. Oh, I, I could definitely see that. And if they're buyers at the trade deadline, they should go all in because this is the type of team to do so. You have Aaron Judge playing it on an MVP caliber season. He's he's killing it by all measures. And Giancarlo Stanton's killing it this year as well. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm going all in at the trade deadline and trying to get maybe one more arm out there. I would too. I would too. Our telephone number is 505-6009. It's 505 505- Six zero zero nine. As we continue 
here on Sports Talk. Can monitor that situation, though, because that's a big one for you baseball fans out there. A lot of Yankee fans around here. A lot of Yankee fans. You know, I know it's got probably the most is Dodger heavy. Dodger fans is where it starts, but we have a lot of Yankee fans. We've got some Giants fans in this city and some Red Sox fans. The Red Sox, they weren't trendy 20 years ago. Nobody was a Red Sox fan in El Paso. Now I see more Red Sox gear walking around El Paso than I ever had before because they're, they're popular. They're kind of the in-team around. Yeah, it's so true. I, I see a lot of Red Sox hats around town, um, and, and it's kind of like, hey, when did you jump on the bandwagon? Was it when when they won the World Series? Uh, you know, a couple decades ago, for the first time in a while, what two thousand four, Steve? Yeah. Was it that time when they jumped on the bandwagon? If that's the case, maybe I'll give them a little bit of a pass since it's almost now two decades. But uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of recent uh, Red Sox hats that are popping up around town. Jason, you're a Yankees fan. Uh, more of a Mets fan, actually. Angels fan, 100%. But more I Mets. You, I thought you wear, uh, you sport your Yankees hat around here. My, my hats don't represent me. They, I just like the way ah. they look. No, the hats are not a reflection of your team affiliation. No, I'm more of a Mets fan because my dad's from Queens. Ah, good, good, good. I didn't know that about your dad. Yeah. All right. So your dad grew up a Mets fan. Uh, no, he's a Yankees fan. How the heck did your dad grow up in Queens as a Yankee fan? I, I I don't know. My brother, you know, born and born and raised in New York, he's a Dallas fan, and I don't understand it. That's yeah. That that is kind of well. I, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of New Yorkers that root for the Cowboys. A lot of New Yorkers that root for the Cowboys. Hard to explain. I mean, great example, Lou Romano. Lou Romano was born in New York, lived there until he was a kid. Then he moved to Colorado, and then you know, out uh, here as a sportscaster. But when Lou was growing up, Yankees for him, and Cowboys. Those are his two favorite teams. Not a Giants fan, not a Jets fan, a Cowboys fan. Now, you got to realize something, okay? When you're Lou and you grew up in the early to mid-70s, Jets were coming off the Super Bowl, but they were already terrible again. Giants were brutally bad, and the Cowboys were winning Super Bowls. I mean, that dynasty started in the 60s and went all the way through the whole 70s. So I could understand growing up as a kid in New York in the 70s and being a Cowboys fan. I could understand it as well. I think that, you know, it's kind of weird, but sometimes you'll talk to a certain person here in El Paso. They've lived here their whole life, and they'll tell you their their top three teams. It's the Cowboys, Yankees, and Lakers. And you're like, how do these three teams mix? Like, how did you follow them? But they tell you that when they were growing up, though, that was those were the three teams that they watched, and those were the three teams that were televised. Tons of Lakers fans here. Tons of Lakers fans. And by the way, there were a lot of Bulls fans here in the 90s. Don't kid yourself. This city loves front runners. They do. They jump it on. They jump on the bandwagon when they can. A lot of Packers fans right now. Yeah, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Okay, number 33. That's the biggest reason. So I understand that. You're a Rams fan. Since day one. Good for you. Day one. <laughs> I um I was a Giants fan living in New York in the mid to late 70s. Moved here and I fell in love with the Jets in 81 because of the New York Sack Exchange and uh, started rooting for the Jets ever since. So I've been a Jet fan now for 40-plus years, which is uh, dis- disturbing. And you know, But, hey, you got to stick with your teams through the thick and the thin. That's what it's all about. Are you more um, understanding when, pe- when people change their teams 
in sports? I mean, so I think about this a lot because I switched teams, okay? But I but you have to realize this too. When I switched from the Giants to the Jets, I don't count that. I, don't I was count that. eight. I don't when I that. switched from the Yankees to the Mets, I was eight. But I was always a Nick fan, always a Ranger fan, although grew up in Long Island when I was really young, but I wasn't an Islanders fan. I was a Ranger fan because my dad was a Ranger fan. But, I mean, you know, I, I've never switched. So it's hard to say because, to me, once you establish your team, that's your team. And, you know, the New York teams have always been my teams, um, certain more than others. I don't hate the Giants. I don't hate the Yankees. I'm just I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Jets fan. I don't I don't hate other teams in the same city. But like I've never gotten so frustrated where I've just ever hopped off and went to another team. To me, if you're gonna lose a team and join another team, you're not really a fan. Because the truth is a fan is supposed to live and die with his team. Year after year, that's what a fan is all about. But if you like a team for a player and that player moves and you want to move with that player, that's you're not a fan of the team. You're a fan of the player. And I feel like in sports today, because there's so much player movement, we often get more fans of players than we do of teams. Yours truly. I mean, I, uh, I'm a person who's a LeBron guy, so I'll follow LeBron on, on whichever team he's on. And, uh, yeah, the, most Laker fans don't accept me. Most LeBron fans or, or Cleveland fans don't accept me either. I, I grew up a Celtics fan um, and then kind of you know felt real sour about their team after they traded away Isaiah Thomas uh, following his uh, sister's uh, you know death in that tragic car accident back in you know 2016 or whatever 2017. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that there. Are, I feel like the NBA kind of gets more of those fans where they they kind of stick with one player. You have people who just like Kevin Durant or people who just like Trey. Young, Luka Dantich, etc. Brandon Silverstein just tweeted into the show. El Paso has a ton of Colorado Avalanche fans and Ole Miss baseball fans. Wow. Yeah, that's that, that very recent, but that's exactly since, right. Since when? <laughs> I've, I've not seen one since Avs June. Jer- I've not seen one Avs jersey since they've won. Uh, all you got to do is just watch uh, Deaver on Twitter. Follow He's Colin day one. He's day one fan. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. He has not. He has not jumped on the bandwagon. He has been a Colorado fan since uh, since the beginning. But yes, uh, you're right. Listen, point is this: just walk around town, you'll see them. They're all over the place. You know what's funny too? I was thinking we'd see a lot more Padres fans once the Chihuahuas got here. We really don't. We see a lot of Padres. We see a lot of Chihuahuas gear, but like, I just bought. Joel for his birthday last month, um, a Tatis jersey, uh, one of the the brown pinstriped Tatis jerseys for the Padres. Really nice one. You don't see that a lot around here. You really don't. There's a few people that'll wear the kids will. Some kids will wear Padres gear, but it's not like the Padres have taken over and become El Paso's baseball team. No, I feel the same thing, uh, same way you do, Steve. Because I thought. Well, yeah, of course, and and everybody goes to San Diego. I, I know a lot of El Pasoans and friends of mine. They love San Diego. They love San Diego more than they love L.A. But they're Dodger fans. I'm like, that's very confusing to me. Yeah, it is. But uh, you know, Dodgers are always the team here in El Paso. Always. I mean, they. We did a poll years ago before the uh, be, before the return of Chihuahuas baseball, and El Paso identified as the Dodger town. 
Not surprised one bit. Uh, everybody here loves the. Do- if you're, it seems like if you're over the age of like forty five, you're you're a Dodgers fan. If you're li- if you live in El Paso, more but likely. A, but there was a reason for that. Okay, the reason is is that El Paso always was able to receive the L A channels that had Dodger baseball. They also had the Angels, but the Angels weren't any good. The, Do- the Dodgers were the good team. You know, you had the Dodgers on KTTV. And then you had the Angels on KTLA. And then eventually the Dodgers, I think, moved to KTLA. But that's the point. The point is we had the L.A. channels back in the 80s. And even before that, uh, you know, when the national games of the week would be played, you get a lot of Dodger games around here. Lots. Even from the days of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So I even heard stories. I think uh, Bill and I would, would tell me stories about how they would fly him out for the El Paso Times, or you know, they they would actually have uh, local reporters cover the Dodgers, which just blew my mind. Yeah. Like that's so cool. I know it's unbelievable. Come back to wrap it up with uh, Hags and our final countdown right after Charlie One, who's standing by with this traffic update.